Funding for Smart Talk is provided by Capital Blue Cross. For 80 years, Capital Blue Cross has offered products that provide peace of mind and promote good health. Focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Health and Wellness Centers that provide in-person service and inspire healthy living. Capital Blue Cross is behind you for whatever lies ahead. More information is at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross. Live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by UPMC Pinnacle, committed to research that improves health, reduces recovery times, and brings new treatments and therapies to our area before they're available elsewhere. More information is at upmcpinnacle.com. Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Peyton Walker was a 19-year-old sophomore studying to be a physician's assistant in King's College in 2013 when she suddenly died from complications associated with a congenital heart condition. Peyton had died from sudden cardiac arrest, or SCA. SCA claims more than 600,000 lives a year. It is the second leading cause of death among people under the age of 25. The Peyton Walker Foundation works to spread awareness of and training for treatment of sudden cardiac arrest. Joining us to share Peyton's story and talk about uh, sudden cardiac arrest is Peyton's mother and director of the foundation, Julie Walker, executive director of the Peyton Walker Foundation. Ms. Walker, welcome to the program. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Also joining us today, cardiologist Dr. Mike Bozak and Dr. Christopher Zachary, uh, who is a pediatric cardiologist, both with UPMC Pinnacle. Gentlemen, thank you for being with us as well. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And uh, disclosure, of course, on our end, as you are well aware, if you are a regular listener to Smart Talk, that the UPMC Pinnacle is a sponsor of uh, the program. If you have a question or a comment about uh, sudden cardiac arrest, heart conditions, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532, or send an email to smarttalk at org. Julie Walker, first of all, it's uh, four years after your daughter passed away, and uh, tomorrow, is her birthday. So uh, condolences and uh, thank you very much for for being with us today. Tell us about Peyton. Peyton was uh, 19 five years ago. She was. She was a 2012 graduate of Trinity High School and many people in the area actually knew Peyton from her work at Roundtop Mountain Resort. She worked there in the wintertime as a ticket checker in the security line so many people knew her as the girl with the smile and the, and the scanner in her hand. Um, she was studying, like you said, to be a physician's assistant at King's College and was a kid that absolutely loved life, lived life to the fullest. Anything adventurous or dangerous, she was on board for. Um, loved four-wheeling in her Jeep, uh, rock climbing, snowboarding, just all around had a good time all the time. Was she an athlete? She what, played sports in middle school, but because of the heart condition, she was limited in what she could participate in in high school. See, I asked that question because, as we will learn throughout the program when we're talking about SCA, is that uh, I mentioned that uh, number one killer amongst uh, you know those under the age of 25, or uh, I should say second uh, biggest killer, but it is the number one for student athletes. When you say you mentioned the heart condition, so you knew and she knew that uh, she had a heart condition. Right. Um, she was diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. It's a genetic heart condition that actually I have and my father had as well. Um, in our family, he had it. He had the, a heart transplant. I have a defibrillator implanted. And uh, Peyton was diagnosed when she was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So that did restrict her physical activity to a degree? To a, lim- to a limited degree, yes. I, there was a few things she couldn't do, but we always lived life looking at the things that she could do. Did you really ever think about it other than having to go to the doctor for visits and that kind of thing? Well, honestly, we we never imagined that this was going to be our life. Um, we got that horrible phone call that every parent absolutely dreads uh, on November 2nd, 2013, and um, found that Peyton had had a cardiac arrest. And so um, she passed away that day. And, and honestly, when we left the hospital, um, the nurse from the emergency department handed us a bag with Peyton's belongings. And I wasn't able to open that bag for about five weeks. And I finally got the courage to open it and pulled out the shirt that Peyton had been wearing the day she passed away. And every hair on my body stood on end. On the shirt, it was emblazoned. It said, what we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others in the world remains and is immortal. 
And I thought, oh, my gosh, Peyton, this is your message to us, that we needed to do something with your your loss and make a difference in the world. And that's what we've been that's what we've been doing through the Peyton Walker Foundation. So that's how you decided to start the foundation. Absolutely. It was our motivation to really make sure that no other families have to live the heartache that we live through. Again, you touching on the point, we knew she had a heart condition, but my husband and I talked about it and thought, wow, look at all the families that have no idea that their children have a heart condition. And what can we do to help prevent deaths in their families from losing their children? Just to take a step back, what was she doing when she went into cardiac arrest? Well, um, she, like I said, was studying to be a physician's assistant and was had gotten up that morning to go work in the emergency room at the hospital in Wilkes-Barre. She was a scribe. Uh, she had to get her, her hours uh, to make her eligible to be a physician's assistant. So um, she, she had gotten up that morning and never made it to work. Her roommate found her on, on her apartment floor. So she really wasn't doing anything strenuous, strenuous or anything like that? Not at all, no. As far as you know, it just out of nowhere. That's that's what sudden cardiac arrest is. It, it is, um, and, and, and hopefully the physicians can, can give a more detailed description of it. But yes, it comes on very suddenly. And uh, the chance of survival if somebody experiences a sudden cardiac arrest is very, very low. Well, and we'll talk about some of the reasons that it is very, very low in just a moment. Uh, Dr. Bozak, one of the points that you wanted to make, and uh, I, I think that uh, we should make this right up front when we're talking about uh, the physiology of this, is that, you know, when I asked uh, Julie Walker about Peyton, this happening very suddenly. Yes. It was not a heart attack that she suffered from, correct? This is true. Um, actually, I'm going to take a step back even a little further. Julie and I have known each other going on about 17, 18 years now. I've taken care of Julie over that time. And when we found Julie's uh, problem, it was because she had been having episodes of lightheadedness and dizziness. And um, initially, it was worked up and felt not to be all that exciting until she had an episode where she all but passed out. And we found uh, issues with her heart rhythm and then her heart muscle. And that gets us on to sudden cardiac arrest. Sudden cardiac arrest is a byproduct of many possible heart issues. Uh, cardiac arrest itself is brought on by a heart rhythm abnormality that the heart starts to beat very fast and very early regularly, and then the heart cannot pump efficiently. This can be brought on by heart muscle issues, such as what uh, Julie has and what Peyton had. It can be brought on by a heart attack uh, or other issues as well. A heart attack itself, and Julie calls me the plumber in the group, and essentially I'm an overeducated plumber. <laughs> I, uh, clean, I clean out pipes for a living. A, a heart attack is when a heart artery is totally blocked by a piece of plaque, a blood clot, or something else that then shuts down the blood flow to that part of the heart's muscle. That leads to pain and leads to heart damage. That can also lead to heart rhythm issues such as a cardiac arrest. But many of the cardiac arrests that we are talking about have nothing to do with arteries or plumbing. They have more to do with the heart electrical system and an irregularity there. And, you know, I, I just got a, an email from uh, a listener who, and I'm sure that uh, some of the symptoms that you just described, mm -hmm. some people would say, oh, I don't know, I, I experienced those things. Lenore from Millersville wanted to know, what are the differences in symptoms from cardiac arrest versus other conditions in which the heart can race like panic attacks? Well, they can uh, often mimic each other, and a lot of the times a cardiologist uh, or even a good primary care doc starts to tease this out. You know, you can start by just looking at symptoms, what brings them on, how does it happen, is there a usual trigger, or do they come on out of the blue, or do they come on with exercise. Um, there are multiple different types of heart rhythm abnormalities where the heart rate is just fast and regular, and that can be uh, mimicked by an adrenaline rush such as a panic attack. So what we do a lot of times is we will sort out uh, with a heart rhythm monitor and have a patient wear that and see if they have what we call subclinical events where the heart will race and the patient won't notice it, or is there something else that occurs that then causes the heart to race? Dr. Zachary, you're a pediatric cardiologist, and I, I mentioned to, to Julie that uh, this is this, uh, the leading cause of death amongst the student athletes. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I ask about uh, Peyton and uh, how active she was in, in, in sports. Tell us about that. I mean, uh, it, it seems, and I think we'll get into this a little bit more, is that, you know, I remember when I was playing sports in school that uh, we always would have a, a physical at the beginning of uh, the season in which the sport was going to be played. Sure. What about, I mean, do we know ahead of time if someone is at risk for, for this? 
Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. That's the, the problem with it. The, the pediatricians and family doctors try to do a good job in screening patients who potentially are at risk, but it's very difficult to find. Um, most of the patients who have sudden cardiac arrest oftentimes don't have much symptoms and don't have much on a physical exam that's easy to pinpoint. So what they want to do and look into, in addition to doing a good physical evaluation, is to ask for specific symptoms that would key you in to someone who potentially is at risk. And that's typically chest pain with exercise, irregular heartbeats, the palpitations, getting dizzy easily, shorter breath easily, and the big red flag is passing out, particularly with exercise. Mm. Julie, this is, you've obviously educated yourself and you try to educate um, many more people since uh, you started the foundation. But this is something that you're trying to do. One of the goals of the foundation, uh, I mentioned the physicals at the beginning of the sports season. For the most part, that's not happening now. You'd like to see it happen. Absolutely. So EKGs are not part of the routine sports physicals that are given to children, um, nor is an EKG administered uh, during regular health physicals, not even a sports physical. So we would... we, we focus on providing EKG screenings to students and athletes um, because we're not checking the electrical systems of kids' hearts right now. So we do that. Uh, we have, we've held five heart screenings to date in partnership with UPMC Pinnacle, uh, screened about 1,000 kids. And at every one of our heart screenings, we've had major findings, uh, not only in, in the students, but if students are identified with heart issues, and there's been some instances where parents have then been tested and found to have issues as well. Gentlemen, you know, Julie mentioned that her father and Julie and Peyton, of course, all had heart conditions. Uh, how often are genetics involved in this? I mean, we all know that when we go to our family doctor mm -hmm. and uh, they ask about a medical history, one of the first questions is, uh, what about your, you know, have your, any of your, uh, your parents, your siblings experienced heart, uh, heart attacks or heart conditions? How genetic is this? Well, the exact numbers are difficult to you know, determine, but there is definitely a genetic component to most of the sudden cardiac arrest uh, entities. Um, people who have cardiomyopathies, meaning structural abnormalities where the heart is too big or too thick, such as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Uh, there's dilated cardiomyopathies where the heart's too enlarged and doesn't function well. Um, there's a few others as well. And um, once we find a patient, a parent, or whatnot with one of those entities, we do recommend screening first-degree relatives because you can definitely see, you can follow through the lineage. Um, we are doing more, actually, genetic testing where we see what gene the patient may carry that predisposes to that entity, and then you can use that information to test the family members as well, in addition to doing the EKGs, echoes, looking clinically, but sometimes we're actually diagnosing the predisposition to it even before it becomes manifested. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not as clear-cut as we would like. There's some a fancy term called incomplete penetrance, which means you can carry the gene that is, uh, in, was in Julie's dad in Julie and was passed on to Peyton, but each one is going to show that a little bit differently. You know, her father showed it one way, Julie showed it a different way, and Peyton's um, way that she processed the gene and then went on to cause her problem was something where the heart was not as thick as what one would have expected to cause the problem that she had, but it still caused the electrical abnormality, unfortunately. So it's not like you can say, well, if mom had red hair, I may have red hair, you know, a certain percentage of the time. You know, we've screened other children in Julie's family, and they're fine, not an issue whatsoever. And so it is important to go back and look at the family members, but it just it, it doesn't show itself immediately. And that's one of the other things that we talk about with the screenings. We tell parents clear-cut as they're signing their children up for the screenings is that this isn't a one-time check, you know, get out of jail free card, nothing can ever happen. This is where are we now? Is there an issue that needs to be followed going forward? It doesn't mean that if they're screened at age 12 or 13, they should never be looked at again. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Smart Talk is supported by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by UPMC Pinnacle, bringing quality care to your community through Harrisburg, Community Osteopathic, West Shore, Carlisle, Hanover, Lancaster, Lidditz, and Memorial Hospitals. More information is available at upmcpinnacle.com.
Today's program is part of WITF's Transforming Health Project. For a deeper look at the changing tide of health care, check out WITF's Transforming Health from Policy to Personal Choices. We're taking a comprehensive look at today's health system online at transforminghealth.org, a partnership of WITF, Penn State Health, and Wellspan Health. We're talking about sudden cardiac arrests today. Uh, actually, and I'm, you're going to hear more about this, the Count Your Blessings campaign. It is a Peyton Walker birthday tomorrow. She would have been 24 years old. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You can leave a question or a comment on WITF's Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at smarttalkwitf. Again, that phone number, 1-800-729-7532. Our guest, Julie Walker, Executive Director of the Peyton Walker Foundation, cardiologist Dr. Mike Bozak and Dr. Christopher Zachary. He's a pediatric cardiologist with UPMC Pinnacle. Again, 1-800-729-7532 is the number to call. Let's take a phone call from Nate in Newville. Nate, you're on the air. Hi. uh, Sorry for your loss. Uh, Prayers to you and your family. Um, We had, um, I played football back in high school in uh, August 22nd, 1981. Good friend of mine, Vince, uh, passed away right in front of us. And um, this was some. I remember the coaches sprinting up the hill and uh, giving him CPR. You know, doing the best they could. And we're we're like, man, no, no way. You know, Vince has got to be fine. And he never came out of it. Now it was his first day of practice. It was our third, and supposedly he had chicken pox. I guess two weeks before, and that's why it was his first day of practice. And. Um, you know, to this day, I mean, I think about Vince pretty much every day. Or and I'm and I've been a coach for 20 years probably, and um, it's something I always bring up to the kids. But I, I very, I mean, it's in the back of my mind every time they're running to this day. And and I'm like, uh, I, I think we all need to um, have a defibrillator or some some training somewhere because I I think back if they had had that. Would Vince be here today? You know, I, I don't know. It was at his time, whatever. But it's just uh, it's something in the back of my mind as a coach. I, I would hate to be the one to to make that call to a parent. And uh, very sorry for your loss. And hey, I'll take that. Nate, answer. sorry for your loss Thanks. too. Thank you very much for your call, uh, Julie. Just what he uh, brought up. Uh, first of all, you know, it seems as though every year we do every school year we do hear about an athlete that. Uh, and as he said, it was a shock because you don't think about young people, you know, people in high school, maybe even younger or in their, their teenage years, having a heart condition or dying from something that uh, is, is related to the heart. But something he brought up, defibrillators, that's a big part of what the foundation does, right? It sure is. And, and Nate, thank you for your, your comments. I really appreciate your, your kindness. Um, too often, the first sign of an underlying heart issue is sudden death. So that, that's what we're seeing. And these are the stories that are sensationalized in the media, the kids that are dropping over dead during football practice or basketball practice. Um, so one of the big things we work on is providing automated external defibrillators. We, we donate them to athletic leagues, sports organizations, nonprofits, police departments. We're getting them deployed all throughout the community. And to date, we have donated over 40 AEDs throughout the community. And we've got a partnership with the Pinnacle Health Foundation that helps us to place these AEDs throughout the community. And that's something we're really, really proud of. Um, Like to Nate's point, had there been an AED on site at the field, maybe the outcome would have been a little bit better. Um, So we're we're getting them out there. We're also providing training. So every kid that comes through our heart screening, we show them how to use an AED because there's no point having AEDs out there if they're not, if nobody knows how to use them. So we teach kids how to use them. and just raise awareness and, and make sure they're available. To follow up on what Julie's saying, if you have an AED on site, you double the chance of the patient surviving an event. Now, not surviving you know, is 0% chance. If you're, you, know, you can double the chance of that person living to tell about it. 
okay? And when we've given out 40 of these defibrillators through the foundation, even if only one is ever used once, that's still a chance that what that wasn't going to be there otherwise. Uh, Julie and her foundation has also had the PIAA involved with this. They now announce at PIAA events where the defibrillator is. That was never done before. You know, the janitor may have known mm -hmm. where it was. One of the trainers may have known where it was. But now everybody will know at these events thanks to Julie's foundation. And he also mentioned, Nate also mentioned CPR. Uh, this is something that a lot of people get training for CPR, but it seems as though many more, if they're going to be around student athletes, young people who have heart conditions, should be trained on as well. C CPR is, is crucially important in this, but it's actually typically a buy you some time mechanism. Because when you have sudden cardiac arrest, particularly in these young uh, children, uh, or, or teenage athletes, it's a, a ventricular arrhythmia, ventricular fibrillation, which is the common final pathway to many different disease processes. So um, the CPR helps to keep blood pumping to the vital organs, to the head, but really the thing that's going to get them back around if they're going to be is, is the defibrillation to convert that lethal arrhythmia back to a normal rhythm. So uh, obviously getting uh, the AEDs available to is very critical for this situation. Dr. Zachary, something that uh, Julie said just a few minutes ago that uh, I don't know if you said most often, but often I think is the word you used. Uh, the, the first sign that there is a problem is death, sudden death. I have a statistic here that I think that you supplied, Julie, but 95% of sudden cardiac arrest victims die because there was the delay in emergency response. Now, that emergency response, how, if you, if everyone had a defibrillator uh, on site and could use it, how much of that 95% uh, would be reduced? Any idea? Uh, hard to pick, pick a number. I'm sure it would be significant because there are arrhythmias that you, even with a defibrillator, may not be able to reconvert to a, a normal rhythm. But you'd have to imagine that if you can get timely cardioversion uh, in a patient, the success rate would be dramatically higher, but I can't give you a specific number. Something else that Nate mentioned I wanted to ask you about. Uh, he said that his friend Vince had uh, started football practice late because he had chicken pox. Mm -hmm. Any relationship at all? Probably not. I don't think it's, it was likely the chicken box caused the heart to have a problem. However, people who have underlying um, uh, sudden cardiac uh, arrest um, findings such as the hypertrophic cardiomyopathies, dilated cardiomyopathies, or, or electrical rhythm disturbances, sometimes illnesses can lower your threshold for things to occur. So possibly if he was sick, um, having electrolyte abnormalities, dehydration, Perhaps that tipped him over the edge, but it probably wasn't the primary uh, reason. Let's take a phone call from Stephanie in Harrisburg. Stephanie, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Um, re recently, my father had a heart attack, and they put into him a combination uh, defibrillator and pacemaker. I've never heard of that before. Yes, uh, this is Dr. Bozak. I'm the adult cardiologist here, and what they did for your father was uh, a very good idea. If your father had a weakened heart muscle after his heart attack, there's what we call an ejection fraction, which is the percent of blood volume the heart pumps out with each beat. And if that's below a certain threshold, then we are obliged to put in a defibrillator because he's at risk for these sudden arrhythmias and sudden death. Uh, to make a long story short, defibrillators act as a pacemaker, as a backup after defibrillation to try and get the heart restarted. Um, but pacemakers wow. are pacemakers only. They do not defibrillate, but defibrillators can also act as a pacemaker if needed. And I was curious also, uh, do, could a blind person use a de uh, um, defibrillator device, whatever you call them? I believe so. I, that's an excellent question. I'd have to look at them and see if there's a uh, indication. I mean, truthfully, there's a button on it that you push, and it'll tell you whether or not to shock. But I honestly, it's an excellent question. I'd have to look. Hey, thank you very much for your call. 1-800-729-7532 is the number to call. If you have a question or a comment, you also can go to uh, WITF's uh, Facebook page, leave a question or a comment, email at smarttalkwitf, uh, or excuse me, at uh, yeah, Smart Talk WITF, I should say, uh, with uh, Twitter. 1 800 729 7532. Julie, I mentioned that uh, this is part of uh, your Count Your Blessings campaign. All the things you've mentioned as far as defibrillators, um, EKGs, that kind of thing, 
we know that there's a cost associated with them. And in some cases, it can be a pretty steep cost. So is that part of what you're doing with the Count Your Blessings campaign? It sure is. Um, For every $25 uh, that's donated to the foundation, that enables us to provide one heart screening. And $500 helps to cover a CPR training class. We, We offer certification classes for the community. $1,100 $1,100 buys one of the AEDs that we donate uh, to the community. So that's what we, we've got to hit hit the pavement and really try to do some major fundraising so that we can continue to provide these incredible services for the community. And doctors, maybe you can give us an idea of uh, just how much, because we know that any kind of screening, any kind of uh, testing, that there was a cost associated with. And I think we have a pretty good idea of what these things cost from what Julie just said from the level of, of contributions you're looking for. But, I mean, are these things expensive that uh, you're looking for? Well, it depends. The screening programs that we do, to give you an idea, we have between 8 and 10 cardiologists who volunteer their time. We have between 4 and 5 echo uh, ultrasound technologists that volunteer their time. We have multiple nurses and medical assistants that volunteer their time. And then the rest is picked up through the Pinnacle uh, Health Foundation and the uh, Peyton Walker Foundation. Uh, the screenings themselves take a whole day. I mean, people are giving up their entire day to come screen athletes. So they think the cost is... Um, the cost is cost is higher to not do it, to be honest, and to, to lose one of these kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we've touched on the symptoms, but I want to be a little more specific with them and uh, provide a few more details of when there are some symptoms being exper- experienced that parents, uh, students, uh, young people, that anyone should be concerned and maybe get screened, maybe I would imagine going to a family doctor is the first thing you should do. But what what should be done? What kind of symptoms are we talking about? Well, the the main ones that we look for are uh, typically new or changing symptoms in patients, particularly uh, chest pain. Um, Chest pain is very common in in children and in the teenage population, and their pediatrician can oftentimes screen out what sounds like a problematic chest pain versus an innocent chest pain. Um, with exercise, if you're getting dizzy or shorter breath or lightheaded, those are important symptoms. Uh, feeling like you're going to pass out, and certainly if you ever pass out with exercise, that's uh, the biggest red flag. It usually means that you know when your heart has a higher demand from the exercise or sporting activities you're doing, that's when it needs the, the most oxygen-rich blood, and something may be going on to prevent that from occurring. That can then lead to the arrhythmias, which lead to the sudden cardiac death. Also, people who... Um, pass out out of the blue. I mean, if, you, if you're sick, dehydrate, stand up quickly, and you pass out, that's one thing. But if you have no warning symptoms and pass out, if you pass out with exercise, and there's also an interesting one, if you, get, uh, if you pass out with a frightening situation, people talk about getting scared to death. There's truly a lethal SCA that is an electrical abnormality. That, that, that fear can cause the, uh, the, the arrhythmia. So I'd say chest pain, dizziness, passing out, sensations of irregular heartbeats, those are the keys that they need to be looking for. Uh, Julie, you mentioned that, uh, you know, Peyton knew that, and you knew, that she had a heart condition, but uh, did she ever experience any of those kind of symptoms? Uh, Peyton would have uh, some palpitations, occasionally some lightheadedness, so very minor, but she was on medication that helped control that, so... um, we, we watched for it. She knew what to watch for and always stay hydrated. Dr. Zachary would always say, make sure you're drinking enough fluid. So that's that's really important, too. But um, we, we just want to ask everybody to please help us honor, honor our daughter, Peyton, and celebrate her birthday tomorrow. Um, you can make donations to the Count Your Blessings campaign on the PeytonWalker.org website. Um, and we really appreciate the community's help so that we can continue to do this incredible work in, in Peyton's name and her memory. So the biggest risk factor, doctors, uh, obviously, if there was a heart condition, pre-existing heart condition. Um, but if someone has been diagnosed with a heart condition, what can they do? And this is probably pretty good advice for almost anyone, even if they don't have a, a heart condition. But what can they do to prevent Sudden cardiac arrest. Don't ignore it. Uh, There are too many people that, in retrospect, will say they had an episode that had been there six months, a year ago, and they ignored it because they came, they excused it for whatever reason. If you have something that Dr. Zachary had mentioned, especially lightheadedness, dizziness, or chest pain at the end of exercise, or God forbid, passing out, you must be evaluated. Also, the next most important thing is look at your family history. You know, when you say passing out. Mm 
you know, I, I know of a lot of people who have fainted over the years, or at least, oh, mom fainted. Sure. What's the difference between fa- fainting and passing out? Well, it's the, the common denominator, you wind up on the floor for one reason or the other. The question is, it, is, it, is it from a benign entity or something more uh, significant? Uh, the most common faints are you drop your blood pressure, uh, you're not feeling well, you're, you're standing in church in a hot environment, the blood is pooling towards your legs, doesn't get up to your head so quickly. Uh, oftentimes, yeah, you, you've been sick for a couple of days and, and you're just not hydrating well. So that's typically a low blood pressure. People will feel kind of a, a flushing sensation, uh, see the stars, see the, the little lights flashing right before they go down. If you have that typical prodrome, it's usually a gradual drop in the blood pressure. And if you sit down quick enough, you can prevent it from occurring. In the sudden cardiac arrest patients, if it's an arrhythmia, sometimes they may feel their heart have a burst of abnormal heartbeats, like the heart will just got race for a short period of time. That could be a transient arrhythmia that just self-corrects, and then you just go on your merry way. So if you feel funny heartbeats associated with it, that's concerning. Um, if, uh, if it's associated with certain activities, if you're running and exerting yourself and pass out, that is heart conditions until proven otherwise. I mean, you, t- you can have it, but there are many sports athletes who, after they finish exercising, will pass out. That's more of a, your vessels dilate because you're exercising, and then you're recovering, and your blood pressure drops. But if, it's, if it happens when you're actually participating in activities, that's a, a biggie. What about uh, someone who just walks upstairs or does anything that, uh, where they are exerting themselves and they're out of breath? Could be. I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, there are in, in the adolescent population, there's asthma and other pulmonary issues that can look like that. But you may, the, the, those patients would likely see their pediatricians first, get ruled out for something pulmonary in nature. And if they can't find it a reason or find abnormalities on exam or if it's persistent symptoms, then they need to see a cardiologist to get it evaluated further. We have an email here. It says, I was recently diagnosed with uh, hypotropic uh, karyomyopathy. That's what Peyton was diagnosed mm-hmm. with, Correct. too. Correct. Yep. Uh, I'm a 24-year-old male who is very active. My cardiologist said that he didn't think this would affect me in the future. However, after hearing Peyton's story, I feel as though I should be a little more concerned. My condolences to the walkers. Are there any preventive measures I can take, supplements, specific exercise habits, diet, to lower my risk of sudden cardiac event? it's interesting because hypertrophic cardiomyopathy has a, a spectrum from very benign findings. They just saw the heart muscles a little thick right up to sudden cardiac arrest and a lot of things in between. Most important thing you can do is make sure you're well hydrated. Number one, don't get yourself let yourself ever get dehydrated. Number two, make sure your blood pressure is under control. Uh, that's the thing that we find in a lot of adults is that the blood pressure is way out of control. And just controlling that can help a lot of hypertrophic patients. And the number three is I honestly tell you to avoid supplements because a lot of the supplements, we really don't know what's in there. And they can lead to heart rhythm issues, making hearts race. They can act as diuretics and make your electrolytes uh, abnormally low. And they can lead to bigger problems. I think leading a healthy lifestyle and just maintaining good hydration and seeing your doctor regularly is important. You know, when you were mentioning uh, hydration, what about alcohol? I mean, I obviously, I'll, when someone drinks alcohol, they are not hydrated. They are dehydrated. Right. Should someone with a heart condition avoid alcohol? Um, you know, all things in moderation in life. You know, my patients will tell you I'm never, I'm not an absolute guy about anything other than smoking. Um, if they're going to have some alcohol, make sure they stay well hydrated and limit themselves to a glass or two of wine or a glass or two of beer, you know, or one mixed drink, and then just, you know, call it a day. It's, you're not there to, you know, see how many you can have. Uh, Julie Walker, um, you, obviously you, you, you talked about how uh, Peyton and uh, her, her the T-shirt she was wearing, how that kind of uh, motivated this and was the inspiration for it. But... What do you want Peyton's legacy to be? Well, she's already she's already made quite a legacy. The ripple the ripples she's left behind have been incredible, and we know we've already saved kids' lives, and we we hopefully have made an impact where other parents aren't going to get the phone call that we're going that we got. Um, so I know she's already had that legacy. Um, just checking hearts, protecting hearts, and saving lives, and that's that's what the Peyton Walker Foundation does. And and I'd say you know I'd encourage parents please have your kids screened. It's a free screening. There's absolutely no no cost for parents to bring their kids uh, for information on our upcoming heart screenings and or to donate to the uh, the birthday campaign. Please visit the website PeytonWalker.org. Julie Walker is executive director of the Peyton Walker Foundation. Cardiologist Dr. Mike Bozak, Dr. Christopher Zachary, UPMC Pinnacle. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
Thanks. Thank you. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Well, Christmas is just a week away, and the region is awash in holiday celebrations, concerts, parades, and light festivals. Join us in the studio to discuss holiday celebrations and events around the region are Joel Cliff of Discover Lancaster, Andrew Staub of the York County Convention and Visitors Bureau, and Rick Dunlop from Visit Hershey Harrisburg. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. Hey, great to be here. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having us. Thanks if you us. have a question or a comment about the events going on throughout the region, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. And the very first thing that uh, these three guys did was plop a Santa's hat on top of me. Uh, over top of my head. No, my headphones were over top of my hat. But, uh, hey, so you, you guys must be in a, a festive mood as, as it is then, huh? Right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of <laughs> yeah, course. It, right? Indeed. We, we thought bringing the hats would uh, put everybody in the spirit. <laughs> I think it does. All right, so we're down to a, a week to go before Christmas, and many of the events that we're talking about in the regions um, that, you know, they go beyond the Christmas Day to New Year's, maybe even into January itself. But uh, talk about this time of year. I mean, a lot of times when we're talking about Visitors Bureau and tourism, Often we're talking or focusing on the summertime, but that's not the case here. How important or how big is the holiday season for, for your regions? Yeah, uh, well, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, for Lancaster, you know, it's become quite a big season. Um, we have a whole uh, website dedicated to everything that, that's going on, LancasterCountyChristmas.com, and it really helps uh, wrap up all in one place so it's easy for the visitor or locals to find the shows, the shopping opportunities, the historic attractions, family stuff that's going on. So uh, it's it's quite a, quite a big deal for us and, and a great time of year to visit. Andrew, what about York? Yeah, well, Christmas is really a great time for York County to showcase some of its local traditions, things that you might not really think of as, you know, a, a tourist attraction, but something that you definitely want to check out if you're in town visiting family. We have some great small-town traditions like the, the Glenrock Carolers in southern York County. Uh, we have the York Factory Steam Whistle Concert. Uh, these are just two things that if you come to, to York or York County, are things you can only see on Christmas Day very early in the morning and just a great opportunity to get out and see something cool and local. Mm-hmm. So Hershey, yeah. Harrisburg. Yeah, Hershey. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, we are usually a dominant uh, summer attraction with the Hershey Park and the resort. Uh, but what they've done is an incredible kind of extent, extent expanding their season now until Christmas uh, and New Year's Day. So uh, a lot of the things, the park is still open. Uh, they have Hershey Christmas Candy Lane, and so it's open daily. Uh, it's only closed Christmas Day, but it goes until uh, the New Year's Day. So that, that really helps to support kind of that continuing destination feel. We're not just shuttering uh, at the end of you know Labor Day, Memorial Day, kind of regular season. So uh, Hershey does a great uh, program they have sweet lights so you have the drive through with uh, 600 illuminated displays and um the one thing that i uh, absolutely love about hershey parks christmas program is there uh, they have santa claus and then they also have nine of his live reindeer on site at the park so uh, again it's it's just a great way to kind of extend the attraction here that is you know, maybe normally known as a summer attraction. So they do a great job. I'm glad to hear those reindeer live. Yes, they are. They are. No, no cardboard cutouts. Uh, no animatronics. No CGI. It's uh, it's real. All right. So we're going to talk about something. You've already mentioned a, a few of the events. But I'm going to ask you a question. The, the one event in your regions that is a must-see and then one that a lot of people don't know about but should be a must-see. Joel, let me start with you. Um, well, I, I think um, really to me, I, I've always loved the, the Christmas trains at Strasburg Railroad. Um, they do a couple of different this ones. This is your must-see, right? This is my must-see. Okay. Um, I, I think for anyone old or young who, who loves trains and Christmas, to put them to, the two together, they do a Santa's uh, 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 Santa's Christmas Express train. They do a Twas the Night Before Christmas train where they read uh, the historic uh, story on it. They also have a um, a Christmas tree where you can go out and go cut your own Christmas tree and bring it back. 
those might have ended at this point. But the first two were still going on uh, through for another week or so. And they, it really is, it's a, it's a magical experience of the two together, uh, particularly as you roll through the fields this time. And we still got a little, little snow left out there. Um, and we may get another hit, you know, here or there. But uh, it's certainly something that, um, you know, for me is a, a must-see. The uh, something that you know people might not know about from a, a gem standpoint actually is the um, the week after uh, at um, uh, at uh, Effort of Cloister where they do the holiday lantern tour, uh, tours there at night. Um, it's such a neat and different experience, and to see this religious group and the way that they celebrated Christmas and to have it uh, at night with the with the lantern tours really just a. a um, it, it it helps you find the spirit of of the season because it was very simple experience uh, simple existence there and yet they they had a a wonderful christmas um spirit as well by the way, I, I understand why Santa wears these hats. They're, it is very warm. <laughs> Again, yeah. you know, I may have to wear this. I was in New York over the weekend. I could have used this hat. Yeah. Okay, so your county must see, and the the little known gem, as Joel called it. Well, the must-see would have to be Christmas Magic, a festival of lights at Rocky Ridge County Park. It's really the the, the top and most notable uh, Christmas attraction in York County. Uh, it's got a cool backstory. It first opened in 1984 uh, during a power crunch when people weren't decorating their homes as much. So, I remember that. Yeah. So the, the York County Parks Department knew that people still wanted to see Christmas lights, so they decided to decorate Rocky Ridge County Park. And it started with 10,000 lights, and over the past couple decades, it's grown to more than 600,000 holiday lights. Uh, so it's really cool. Great for a date night if you want to come to York County. Uh, fill up the thermos with hot chocolate, then head out to Rocky Ridge County Park. It's going to be a half-mile walking trail through the woods. Uh, you'll see all kinds of holiday lights, train displays, uh, Christmas trees, and, and lots of really great stuff there at Rocky Ridge County Park. And that actually is closed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but we'll run through uh, the end of the month. Um, so still i got to say, Andrew, that. but first of all, you're a real pro if you're thinking about a date night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you're you know painting these pictures for for people. Okay, go ahead. That's There's a, actually one of my wife and I's uh, first dates was Christmas really? magic. Okay, at Rocky so, Ridge, so it has so a place in your heart. Okay. Yes. So. All right. So the little known gem, or somewhere that people should know more about. Uh, that to me would be the Glen Rock Carolers, and uh, if you've never had a chance to see them, uh, get out uh, around midnight on Christmas Day down to Glen Rock. It's going to be an experience uh, you'll remember forever. It's really a 170 year old tradition where a group of Cape carolers will go out on the streets and sing Christmas carols for six to eight hours just to usher in the Christmas season. You'll see a couple thousand people will actually come out, gather around the, the town's one street light where they start singing and follow this group around town. They have a man uh, known as the, I think, the peanut man that will hand out peanuts to, to lead the group through and they knock on the door, give out some peanuts, and you'll hear some really great classic Christmas carols and nothing's better than taking in a 170-year-old tradition. So when you say midnight, is that midnight Christmas Day or midnight that night? Well, it would be midnight Christmas Day. So it literally starts Christmas. Midnight at the 25th, okay. Yeah, literally starts Christmas and runs into Christmas morning. Yeah, because it wouldn't make sense to do it afterwards. Right. But they they have the whole the capes and and everything. Huh? Capes and high hats. Uh, it's going to look like you're in a Charles Dickens novel. It's just a really cool experience. That is that sounds really cool. All right, so Rick, what about uh, Harrisburg yeah. and, and Hershey? Sure. Must see and little known gem. Yeah, the uh, the must see would I would say is go to the Capitol. Uh, the Capitol they give free tours uh, every half hour, but the Capitol then is decorated for the holidays, and it's 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 already a beautiful working museum, if you will. Uh, as it is, and then in the holiday season, they the staff there does a great job of decorating that this beautiful capital uh, that every Pennsylvanian should see at some point in their life. Um, that's free again, which is also the, the right price, yeah, right? right. Um, and then <laughs> while you're saving money on the tour, uh, if you just walk right up uh, from the capital, there's Midtown in Harrisburg, and it's really a, a great find right now for uh, unique gifts. So there's the Broad Street Market. Tons of vendors in there. Uh, great way to get some kind of local, handmade, homemade uh, type of gift. Uh, great for like creating baskets, uh, you know, of kind of gourmet popcorn and fudge and all kinds of stuff. And across the street is the uh, Midtown Scholar Bookstore. Lots of, you know, for the bookworm in your family, uh, a lot of great, really hard to find books. And um, so that's it's right across the street there. So uh, the Midtown, oh, and the Millworks. The Millworks is right there in that hub as well. And they have 30 
working artist studios plus a restaurant and beer garden. So you can find a lunch and then you can go shopping. And it's, so the Midtown for me and the Capitol would be great. The one, uh, the one hidden gem that doesn't get as much attention as it should, I think, in Harrisburg is the Fort Hunter Mansion and Park. It's a county park right at the end of Front Street up along the Susquehanna River. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful property. They do great events there, but in the holiday season, they do uh, a holiday decor and tours. Uh, so this is a Victorian home from uh, like 1876. And then they have a toy train exhibit across the street in the barn. And uh, the train exhibit's free, but the uh, tour of the home and all the Victorian kind of uh, decor, uh, there's, a, there's a price for the tour. But uh, I think that's a, that's a really under under a recognized treasure in Harrisburg. You know, the, all three of you have markets, farmer's markets, that uh, are very popular, and I would imagine even much more so at the holiday season when people are stocking up for Thanksgiving and then Christmas and New Year's, but uh, the central markets in York and Lancaster and, of course, Broad Street Market in Harrisburg, great locations. You know, I saw someone on Facebook, actually I've seen a couple people ask this question, where are train displays, model train displays this year? And you all three have mentioned that. But uh, I imagine that there are a number of places. How can people, if they're asking that question, learn where they can go find uh, uh, some locations where there are model trains? Well, uh, you know, you're almost serving up me saying my website right now. So I'm going to so go do it, Scott. Go I'm going to do it. All That's right. what so, it was yeah. for. That was a softball. <laughs> thank you. Uh, the Visitors Bureau thanks you. Uh, so you can check out things on the Visitors Bureau website for the Hershey-Harrisburg region at visitherseyharrisburg.org. And uh, don't forget the org. A lot of people throw in the dot com. So right. it's visitherseyharrisburg.org. Right. Uh, but the, you're right. The trains just, I know for our area, the Antique Auto Museum in, in, uh, in Hershey, uh, the... Um, there's a place that's uh, some other places that will come to mind here while we're talking, but um, that's probably the easiest way to to kind of start. Andrew, uh, actually, if you go to yorkpa.org and just plug in Miniature Railroad Club of York in our search bar, you're going to find a great uh, annual holiday open house item on our event calendar. Uh, this is your chance to go see a 24 square hut, 2400 square foot layout more than 1,200 feet of track uh, with a club that's been putting together a display for uh, almost 75 years now. So it's a really cool place to go see some model train displays. Joel? Yeah, we would uh, also on LancasterCountyChristmas.com in the events section, um, we would have uh, a number of those places listed. Probably our granddaddy is the Choo Choo Barn, uh, which has been in the Groff family for three generations now, and um, is is a year-round attraction, but they do a fantastic job of decorating it at the Christmas time out in Strasburg. And you're right uh, right near some of the other great train attractions in that area, too, so you can really combine. You know, one of the things that um, I was going to point out when Rick was mentioning it is is that is that uh, word of co- combination. A lot of people still probably have, you know, shopping to do, and they're worried they don't have time to do some of this fun stuff. But I think in, a, in all three of our destinations, there's a good opportunity to combine some shopping and something fun, whether it's a show, whether it's something in a historical attraction or a family attraction, and some of the great shopping things that we have, whether it's outlets, whether it's uh, some of the distinctive city retailers, um, Kitchen Kettle Village in our location. So there's a, you know, you can still combine the two. You don't have to feel like it's all got to be about shopping right now. You've got time for both. Oh, yeah. You can't go somewhere and not buy a souvenir or buy something while you're there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> the souvenirs or, or even the base level of shopping and, and right. being in that same area. So um, I know that I've still got something to do, but I'm going to take some time out for doing something fun as well. So I, I if, is there any kind of theme? I mean, there's so much to do for the, just the three of you, and there are other regions, obviously, uh, here in uh, south-central Pennsylvania that uh, when you go online, you can uh, find a lot of these events, these activities, but these are three of, of the largest counties in our area. But is there any kind of theme? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing history. I'm hearing lights. I'm hearing model trains. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing carolers, Victorian Christmas. Is there any kind of theme of what people like to do around the holidays, or is it a good mix and match kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it, it probably, you know, not to sit on the fence, it's probably a little bit of both. Um, we certainly, and uh, for all three areas, um, maybe in Lancaster a little bit more, Christmas shows are big. I mean, we have five different theaters with things going on right now between Sight and Sound, Dutch Apple, Dinner Theater, the Fulton Downtown, um, as, as well as... Um, 
Uh, oh, I'm forgetting. I've got it right here in front of me. American um, Music Theater. <laughs> American Music Theater, yes. I can't forget AMT, um, uh, as well as Burnham Stage. So right. there's a lot of lot of theater going on through the end of the year. Great shows at, at all of them. Um, and as well as the historic attractions. I mean, we have historic attractions sure. that do quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think it's probably that, that, uh, that local flavor or that culture that each of our regions kind of takes and runs with it. I think so. It's this history and heritage, but you know, York has a way of doing uh, their holidays, and, and Lancaster because of the the Dutch Amish, uh, and in our area, I think that's you know they do have these common themes, but it's everyone doing it in kind of a way that represents their regions, which makes it unique. We have about ninety seconds. Name something that is truly unique to your areas, and I'm going to put you on the f- spot first, Andrew. <laughs> uh, well, I would say that the York Steam, the York Factory Steam Whistle Concert. This will be again something that you can only really experience in York. Uh, it's a, a steam whistle concert with Christmas carols. Again, very early Christmas morning. Come out and check it out. Right. Joel, unique in Lancaster County. Uh, we have the only permanent Magic Lantern shows in North America at the Amish Experience, and they are doing uh, the Christmas uh, Christmas show uh, this year. It's an amazing showman with a triennial projection. It's kind of uh, mass entertainment before the movies. They can do, uh, they sing and they do uh, different movement with the shows, and it's really it's a neat uh, old time experience. Rick, what about uh, truly unique for Harrisburg Hershey? Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, going back to our midtown, um, just it's such a great destination within our destination of Harrisburg, and you're going to find many more things that I didn't even mention. There's a small brewery, uh, Zero Day. There's uh, the Susquehanna Art Museum. Uh, so I, I just I love that area of of Harrisburg, and it's uh, uh, the Harrisburg Midtown Arts Center. Uh, there's a lot to do just in our midtown, and. Again, a lot of people don't realize that little section of town in the capital. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, uh, I think that uh, just in the 15 minutes or so we were on the air, provided a lot of ideas. I can just see a lot of our oh, yeah, we have to do that. We have a week left before and you Christmas. got family coming in maybe, That's too. That's right. And yeah, we great. also have New Year's Eve that we really didn't even get on to, but mm-hmm. I would encourage everyone to go to websites and check out the New, Year, New Year's Eve celebrations. Gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for being with us. Andrew Staub of the York County Convention and Visitors Bureau, Rick Dunlop from Visit Hershey Harrisburg, and Joel Cliff from Discover Lancaster. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks, Thank Scott. You. Great Appreciate to be here. it. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, we're going to be talking about uh, the CHIP, Children's Insurance Program. Smart Talk is produced by WITF as part of our mission to deliver relevant, high-quality programming. Support comes from Capital Blue Cross, which shares WITF's commitment to being a trusted resource in our communities. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health Spine Institute, part of UPMC Pinnacle, offering a complete range of services to diagnose and treat your spine condition. More information is available at upmcpinnacle.com spine.